When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from Hammers 11 I hope you're safe and well. For your channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification icon so you're notified of any time we put lots of content on. Every day we've got stuff coming on, but sometimes two, three times a day. And every story, every memory is brilliant. We've got um, fans and players from all over the world, including today's fan, all the way from the West Coast of America. It's Derek Gribble. Hi, Derek. How are you? Russ, I'm great. Good to meet you finally. Live. Finally, 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 yeah, finally. finally. Now it's been. Yeah. We, we've had a. We, we've we've had a technical um, process for the last sort of ten fifteen minutes, but it doesn't matter. We're here. We're here and ready we to are. talk about West Ham. So uh, yeah. how how is um how's everything over there? Um, obviously in in lockdown and stuff like that for you. Um, well, health wise, everything's great. Um, uh, my wife and I were good. We were tired here, live alone. Um, they're my kids around the country. They're good. Grandkids are good and friends. So Great. I don't actually know anybody that's got it or had it, except perhaps me, because I was sick in January, really sick with what I thought was the flu. And um, I might have had it. I don't know. So, uh, but as far as the health goes, everything's good. And that's the most yes. important thing, right? Exactly. It's totally good. You know, we, yeah, jobs can come and go, but as long as you've got your health, that's the main thing. No, I think I had it as well. In December, I, me and my wife, yeah. we were really ill for a, like really bad over Christmas period. Um, and actually all of us, you know, my mother-in-law, my daughter, I think we actually had it. But, um, because obviously it was, it, you know, it didn't just come over on the boat, you know, like yeah. in January, it's been around for a while, but um, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about West Ham. So obviously we are healthy. We are brilliant. Exactly. And West Ham are in a healthy, healthier position than we were two games ago, you know, the last, in the last week. Very true. So, you know, it just continues. Just continues. Just, just continues. Two more wins. That's all we need. I reckon two more wins. Um, Bernie tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. And then, uh, then one more. And I think we'll be all right. Um, We're very fortunate. I think in the fact that no one else around us wants to win a game either. So we've been quite lucky. By the way, Russ, I've got to say, um, thank you for doing this. It's been a great series um, between you doing this and Rob Banks posting his videos on uh, on Facebook. Yeah. For me, over here, 
it's kept me going during the, uh, you oh, know, the lockdown or the isolation or whatever. So yeah, yeah. my usual, I get up in the morning and I have my breakfast and I go for a walk and I read the paper. And then usually in the regular season, football comes on in the week around yeah. 10, 11 or 12 o'clock here. Well, there hasn't been any. So instead, I just turn on your channel or, or Rob Banks' uh, videos and it's kept me uh, it's kept me in touch, so to speak. Oh, so thank you. It's a great job. And it's really... Snowball, isn't it? I mean, oh, it's, it's gone mental, Derek. It's an absolute. Who, you never thought you were going to have Harry on there, did you? Or uh, or Tony Grant, uh, Tony Carr, or any of those no, uh, never. players? It's never. Great. It was an. It was a. Yeah, it was a, a flippant comment I made to my wife about seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and yeah, it's just snowballed into what it is now. You know, people all over the world talking about West Ham, and you know, as I said, I think it's not as you said. People like yourselves and people who are, you know. Especially nowadays, with no football on, it's it's kept people going and stuff. I mean, football's back on now, but um, and it, and it sort of exemplifies the the West Ham community that we all talk about. You know, um, people suggest other people, and this person's given me this person's phone number, and yeah, it has snowballed, and it's and it's really fun. And uh, you know, from where we are to where we're now, we're almost at a hundred guests um, we've done, and. Yeah got a hundredth guests coming up soon um and you know over a thousand subscribers it's absolutely mental to think about in that context it's, and it's it's great for me because i've i've seen i know a few you know quite a few of the people you've had on uh, the fact the fans um i was gonna be, i was over there i mean this year in march was my 70th birthday so my one of my birthday presents myself we came over on a cruise uh, to uh, Spain, and we were going to then come up to France and England. And I was going to do all kind of stuff in England, including taking a West Ham game. I usually do, but then uh, COVID comes along, and so we had to pop off home. You know, we got into Barcelona yeah. on the day they closed down Spain and England. Oh, I flew geez. back to London right away, managed to get a flight out in about two days' time. So this is going to be the first year I actually haven't been over to see West Ham play in person. For years, you know, a long, long time. But and of course, I wouldn't have met. I wouldn't have met. You know, I probably would have met uh, Jackie Hughes and Colin Milne and um, yeah. Michelle and uh, the Killington Clan and all those guys when I was over there in the pub. But that's not going to happen this year. But I've seen them on the telly. So oh, you've kept, show, yeah, so. you kept them on the telly. They've all had their, their moment to shine. So it's been. And nice. I learned. Some, I learned some new stuff about. Yeah, about yeah, I know. I, I love all the story, and that's why I love all the stories around people's interactions with with the fans and the players and their memories, and and that's what it's all about. Really, it's all about the memories and stuff. So, so Derek, so for you, why West Ham? Why is West Ham your club? How did it start? Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you exactly. I was born and I grew up in South London. Well, sorry, it was when I was, you know, I'm an old guy, you know, I'm one of your experienced fans. Very so um, we lived uh, not far from Croydon and my dad uh, was a Palace fan. And so when I was seven or eight years old, he would start taking me over to Palace games on the back of his motorcycle. And... Um, so we watched, I was a Palace fan and, and I was a real football fan and so was he. I really owe him that. Um, he's passed on now. My, um, when Palace were away, we went to local football. We would, I could walk down a car short and athletic. I could get a trolley bus down my street to Sutton, let's see Sutton United. Yeah. Walk down the station, go to Tooting and Mitcham and watch uh, the Mitcham, Mitcham Junction, watch Tooting and Mitcham. That's one of uh, Mikel and Antonio's old, old clubs, yeah. by the way. And, um, in the, those days, I watched Alex Stepney, who I don't know, it's all before your time, but he mm. became Manchester United's um, yeah. goalkeeper. But anyway, we really did watch a lot of football. So um, in the late 1950s, um, Palace had this player. I, 
I'm guessing you know what we're talking about, but he became the best player at Palace by far. He was my hero as a kid. Yeah. And he was so good, he was chosen to play for the England national team, even though Palace at the time were in the lowest division of the, yeah. of the league. That's the last time I think it's happened. Do you know what, you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what? I, I came, don't... Well, of course, West Ham signed him. You see, he came out in 1962. He was getting too good for Palace. So he had to go to yeah. a big club. So he, West Ham signed him. And that was Johnny Byrne. Yeah. Budgie Byrne. And oh. so my allegiance, I followed. I said, I've got to watch West Ham. Now, I was just in grammar school. And all my mates at school, they were all uh, Chelsea or Fulham or uh, Spurs fans. And so I wanted to be a first division club fan too. So uh, <laughs> I chose West Ham. Didn't have any re- meaningful difference because I couldn't afford to go. I didn't have any money, you know, as a 12-year-old, 11-year-old. So I still went to the Palace with my dad because he was paying for that. But um, so West Ham signs Johnny Byrne and I decided to support him. And then that part of that transfer deal was uh, West Ham agreed to play an exhibition match against the Palace, a friendly. I can't remember if it was actually in the middle of the season or at the end of the season but it was played at the National Recreation Centre at Crystal Palace, actually at Crystal Palace. Yeah. Because Crystal Palace playing Cellars, but this was actually in Crystal Palace. Yeah. And of course, since that was West Ham and Crystal Palace, my dad got tickets for that. So we went over there to watch that. So, Russell, this is a very important point. My first match to watch West Ham play was in an athletic stadium (laughs) with a pitch inside a running track. Does that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell? (laughs) You, you guys are complaining about the new stadium. My first bloody game was it. Colin, you remember, you remember when you had Colin Miller on there and he said how his first match was at, uh, at the bowling was against Man United and, and we won 3-2. Yeah. His last match, we played Man United at the bowling and, he, and we won 3-2. And he said, there's consistency for you. Yeah. Same thing with me. My yeah. first match was played in an athletic stadium. Brilliant. And I'm sure since we have a 99-year lease and I ain't going <laughs> to live that long, I'll be watching my last game in an athletic stadium. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And you're right. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's the, cir- the circle of life, you know. <laughs> and so we call it as well. It was the circle of yeah. life, and no, it was great fun. It's what we, it was what do they say? Plus ça plus ça change. The more things change, the more they say that they stay. It's the same. So true, and it's so true, isn't it? It's like, you know, even with through West Ham's career, you know, you know, we're gonna turn up for the big boys and, and lose to the, the, the minnows yeah, of the league. Yeah, so to speak. Never, and it's never been right. different. It was the same then. Yeah. It's yeah, never been different. The My first game actually at the Bolin yeah. was the following year in 1963. Don't, it was weird. I mean, my dad would never take me. He, he didn't like that I wasn't really a Palace fan anymore, although I was in a way because I still went with him. But in 1963, yeah. I'll never forget my a friend of mine. I was at grammar school then and my friend, John Fisher, we talk football, and he said, uh, my dad's taking me up to see West Ham play Aston Villa on Saturday. Do you want to go? And I said, oh, yeah, do I? So um, his dad drives me and John and John's brother, Jeff, up in his Morris Traveller estate Mm -hmm. wagon with the woody bits on the the back there. And we see, and I go to the bowling for the first time, West Ham versus Aston Villa. And guess what was, guess what result was, Russ? Uh, lost. lost, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, at least you I have a terrible off. record watching West Ham, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, but I never, I never got to go again for several years because I did again, I didn't have any money. I do remember when we won the cup in '64 and um, we're sitting in the living room watching it, and you know, dad was watching it with me, black and white mm. TV. And then Ronnie Boyce scores the winning goal in the last few minutes, and he 
he jumps up and he's doing this stuff with his arms and stuff. And I was doing the same thing around the living room until my dad told me to shut the thing up and get <laughs> sit down again. So that's those are my earliest West End memories. Brilliant, brilliant. And so, I, and met, so, I, met, Ron, I met Ronnie Boyce uh, a couple of years ago. They had one of those fan things over yeah. at Great Yarmouth. I don't know if you went to that one. Not the one at Great Yarmouth. Had, uh, no, no, no. Uh, they had Ronnie Boyce, they had uh, uh, Alan Taylor, you know, scoring in 1975. And uh, it was Legends of West Ham. Everyone played in the FA Cup final. Alvin Martin oh, was there. And my personal hero now was Trevor Sutra. I got to meet Sir Trevor Brook, and that was number one on my bucket list since I yeah. retired. Oh, and fantastic. I got to meet him. And he was brilliant. I mean, he's just a great person. And yeah. of course, he was a great footballer, too. Oh, I named my first son after him, and my wife got to meet him, too, because. Um, she was with me there for that show, and it was it was great. Oh, I did a Love similar thing with my with my daughter, um, Carlos De Canio Budden. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's uh, I, I did try, I did try, I did try, but I was never gonna never gonna work. Um, no, exactly, and and obviously, you know, being over there, um, you know, as you said, you know, it, it's it, it must it must be strange at times. But I, I suppose with being in the states, particularly in, in recent years you get football on all the time, you know, every match is on and, and stuff like that. So actually you probably get to see more football than, than us. Or you're, abs- you're absolutely right, Russ. I, um, I pay a lot of money for it, but I have more access to West Ham games than the people in, in the UK because not every game is on live on the weekend. There is mm-hmm. always on live here and I can watch it. In fact, I've been, like I said, I've been coming over every year and I've got my, uh, I have satellite TV here, direct TV, and I have a subscription to that. And then I have, um, I get, so I, on my phone, when I come over there to the UK, I've got to find a pub with good Wi-Fi. I use a US VPN and I yeah. can watch through my subscription. I can actually watch a, a, a live West Ham game in a pub over yeah. in, your, you know, in England while a game's on, but isn't being shown live anywhere yeah. in, in England. So all you, everyone that wants to watch it has to have a bootleg stream or go to a pub that's paying for or whatever, you know. So it's been, it's been great for me. These, these internet years, I got back into it. I had a family, you know, all through the 80s. And so yeah. that was a bit of a blank for me, which is why Rob Banks' um, films have been so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did come back occasionally, but those, that one, that particular period, I didn't get over as much as I would have liked because I had three young kids. Of course, of course. Um, so that has really sort of helped me catch up and remember stuff, you know. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, catching up. Yeah, exactly. Particularly now, people have got until obviously the the plethora of of the football from Project Restart. It, you know, things like Robert Banks's um, uh, YouTube channel was brilliant. You know, all those season reviews and yeah. It's, and in fact, I've got a couple of players in my team that I probably wouldn't have put in there before I saw those videos, but brilliant. that's changed my mind on what to put in. So um, oh, I love it. No, exactly. It's so true. It's, it's very true. It's very true. And again, you know, I think we've uh, people had sort of that those sort of claret, uh, not not rose claret, to, you know, tinted glasses for many years about certain players. And watching those reviews, uh, I've I've changed my opinion on some players who I thought were yeah. brilliant. And it's like no, no, like, they really weren't. Like Ludo, right? I mean, Ludo's everybody's favourite goalkeeper. Exactly. He made a bunch of clangers all the time, didn't he? My my granddad was right. He called him Loopy Ludo, and 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 it's so true. And it's like I I assume you know watching back thinking. Yeah, actually, he was he was all right, but he yeah he did like do oh, a few yeah. clangers. But oh, yeah, yeah, I know he made some mistakes, but he seemed like to make him you know he would make a brilliant save and then he'd drop the bloody ball right in front of the centre forward. Who just yeah, whatever. They're just yeah, so it's it was... not in my team. I got a, oh, okay. I got another goalkeeper. Um, 
It's another thing I was thinking of when I was uh, going and look, watching some of your uh, shows yeah. there. Certain, certain teams playing West Ham have got a look. I've just got a fixation on a couple of them because they always seem to be the ones I saw. I mean, I, over the years, I've seen the Smuck play most clubs, but I remember yeah. specifically games against Aston Villa. I just told you about the first time I went there to see Aston Villa and we lost. I've not yeah. ever seen West Ham beat Aston Villa in all the time. I <laughs> don't, do. don't, don't, come, don't come at the end of the season then. <laughs> no, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. I, I definitely, uh, I'm going to sort of watch that one in the mirror or something yeah, exactly. and see if, it, see if it does any better. I'm terrible with Aston Villa. And, um, and Southampton's another one that... Uh, I got I got a great story um, for Southampton there. Uh, I was um, in 1966. Um, I managed to get my parents and their family to give me money for Christmas instead of like ties and sweaters and shit. Yeah. You know, used to always get. So I had a lot of money in the early 77. Uh, I went down to uh, 67. I went down to see West Ham play at Southampton um, for two reasons. One, of course, I wanted to see the Ham. And my two loves at the time were West Ham and steam engines. I was a train spotter ever since a kid, and there weren't many, there weren't many steam engines left in those days. No. So I get this, uh, I get down to Southampton, and I spend three or four hours going through, going around stations, watching steam engines. That was great. Go to the game. We got thrashed six-two. Um, uh, big Ron, uh, Ron Davis was the centre forward uh, for uh, Southampton. Scored four goals that day. So I'm kind of bummed out. I get back to the station. Figure I'll hang around there for another hour or two and watch some more trains. So I'm standing on the platform. On the where the London train is coming, I'm right up at the I'm right up at the end where the where the steam engine stops, so I yeah. can see it. So the rest of the uh, you know the uh, passengers, the, the people who want to get on, they're, they're down uh, probably forty yards away from. Me. And the train comes, and it comes the train, the Bournemouth Bell, famous train, old Pullman train. It's got a headboard on the front, you know, for anoraks and stuff. It had a um, bully Pacific four six two, a merchant rebuilt merchant navy, and I'm fascinated by this stuff. And then I see this. British rail guy coming running up the station, and behind me he opens a gate, and behind the gate was a little parking area, and a luxury bus had pulled up, and the entire West Ham team gets oh, wow. off the bus and walks through this little gate right on the platform, right where I am, and they start getting on the train. They had reserved the first coach in the train was for, for West Ham. Johnny Byrne and Ronnie Boyce got on first. So I'll never forget it. Because they had cigarettes in their mouths, so I always that always bothered me that pro footballers would yeah. smoke cigarettes. But the girl, and then they pull the windows down and they start telling all the people, all the other players, where to sit and who to sit next to, because they got a card, they've got this big card game already figured out, you know. But then Bobby Moore walks onto the platform, and he sort of he's got it's, it's winter time, so it's a bit cold. He's got his big long leather coat on, and he's yeah. instead of getting on the train like everybody else would get on, he just sort of stands and looks around and takes in the scenery. I thought. This is your chance, Derek. So I walk up to him and put my hand out, and he shakes my hand. And I said something like, Tough game, Bobby. And he, because uh, we know we've got fresh six two there, and he sort of gives me this wry smile. I'm thinking, What else am I going to say? Because I was totally starstruck. But before I got a chance to say anything, all these other kids that were further down the platform had figured out what was going on. So they all rushed up there and got around him and wanted his autograph and stuff. So I just sort of stood back and uh, the rest of the players got on. I don't remember anybody wanting Jeff Hurst or Martin Peters' um, autograph at the time. I mean, maybe they did. I just don't remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in the team too. And um, and they were famous because we just won a World Cup, you know, six, uh, 
uh, six months before that. Yeah, and, crazy. Uh, it was great. And the only other person I remember getting on was John Sissons. Uh, you maybe know John Sissons. He yeah. was um, he looked like he was a seventeen-year-old surfer boy from from the west coast of California. There, even when he was like, he must have been in his late twenties by then. But he always looked like he was a young kid. Brilliant. And anyway, all they get on and the train goes, and I thought, God, that was the day I met Bobby Moore. Fifteen, twenty seconds with Bobby Moore. Never oh, forget it. it amazing. Was, it was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So uh, yeah, to the Central Station. I've been back there since, but you can't recreate that because they built it all up and developed it, so it's sure. totally changed now. I took my wife back there. We we go on cruises, like I said, a lot, and a lot of them go out south. So. Yeah, no, I love a cruise. I love a cruise. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, but the thing is, I'm, I'm, I've got an eight-year-old daughter, so we do the Disney cruises. So <laughs> I mean, I love them. Love them. Absolutely. I love them. It's, it's great. Cool. You, you get get to go to all these places every every day, a different stop. And I get bored easily, so like seeing something new each day is is great, you know. And it's uh, when, no, I love it when uh, when um, Fornell scored that second goal against Liverpool. In I was in the cruise ship in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, watching it on the ship's Wi-Fi. And when he scored that goal, I jumped up and I realised I was in the concierge lounge. <laughs> That's great. I love doing stuff like that. You just don't realise where you are, and it's just like ah, I'm in a completely the wrong place to be doing this type of stuff. That's no, good. So we, we speak. We spoke about your, you know, some some players and stuff, and obviously we do this this hammers eleven thing, um, and and it gives people opportunity to think back and look at. He said, go back and look at old tapes and and think of players that they thought were great and maybe not so much now, um, and we try and get people to do that. Um, now, as I said before you know the only really rule is you have to be alive to have seen them play now obviously from you Derek no disrespect but you're an experienced fan so I've been got... alive since the founding of the bloody two back in 1895 exactly so, so but for the last you know for, yeah, from the 60s onwards that's quite a spread of, of West Ham players so yeah, it'd be quite interesting yeah. to get to get your take on some of the players now well, um, I have a very very unique selection uh, criteria that's what I like. Fact, let's, let's go through I it. I think, with, go on. with all due respect to Philip Pitt, who I think has probably done the most different one so far, right, with the shirts. By the yeah. way, you never had this, you never had this shirt with the. Didn't have that moment. shirt. No, no, that now that shirt that always shirt, reminds yeah. me of Martin Allen. That Does shirt, it? yeah, yeah, or Trevor Morley. That shirt. Yeah. Anyway, well, I, I got this when I when they were wearing it. I've had it ever since. Amazing. I've worn it over the years to a lot of football. You know, I've watched football over here. I watched uh, the, used to live in Colorado. I saw the Rapids, and I live in LA. Yeah. I've seen the Galaxy a lot, and I, used to, I often wore it to that. To, just to no, I, I wore mine when I went, when I go see the Red, when I went to see the Red Bulls. I'd wear mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I'm over, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's a. Here's a little historical perspective for you, uh, okay. Russell, from an ex- from an experienced fan. Okay, 1964, okay. we won the FA Cup for the first time. That's our first real silverware, if you don't count the stuff that we got in the war. Right? Yeah. Now, in those days, there were no substitutes. It was just 11 players mm. in the team. I'm going to read you the names of seven of them. Okay. In defence, we had uh, Jack Burkett, Ken Brown, and John Bond. In the midfield, we had Eddie Bobbington, maybe you've heard these names, Peter yeah. Braybrook and Ronnie Boyce. And up front, we had Johnny Byrne. That's seven players. Do you see any link between those seven players? Anything sound? Uh, they all have the letter B in their name? They all have. They're very good. Their last name begins with the letter B. So this is my theory. West Ham will never win another cup competition until we have at least two 
players in the team whose last name begins with B. In 1923, we lost to Bolton Wanderers. We only had one B team. We only had one B player. We had seven in 1964. We had three in 1965 when we won the Cup Winners' Cup. We had two in 1975 when we won the FA Cup. That was Brooklyn and Bonds. We had three in 1980 when we won. Uh, we had Brooklyn Bonds and who was the other B player? Can you think in the 1980 season? Because that's your year, isn't it? Um, no, I was born in 1981. So you know, oh, so okay. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that was that. That was that was ball basil brush. Okay, full brush. Full <laughs> brush. And yeah. then in and then 2006 we lost. We only had one player with a B with his last name beginning with B. So that's why we need to get a minimum of two, which is why I'm very happy that uh, we signed Jared Bowen because we're getting to, to where we have... Uh, and and Fabian Balbuena. Balbuena. We have two B players right now, but it didn't work for this year, but he weren't in the team at Might the same drop. time, you see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, that is my criteria for my team. Everybody has to have a last name beginning with B. Brilliant. Okay. Love it, Derek. Okay, let's start... Call it the West Ham B team. The B team, yeah, the B team. Who's in goal for the Derek B team then? Okay, this was my toughest issue, but um, and I thought I would be choosing someone that no one else has chosen, but I saw t- I saw Tony Carr put him in there, and a couple of other people is uh, Stephen Bywater. Nice. Now yeah. he's probably the weakest link there. Do you remember when you sp- I think when he spoke to uh, Steve Rapport there, he told you the story about uh, we could have had Gordon Banks yeah. in our team, right? That would have been the ideal B. <laughs> could be. Yeah. In fact, if we have had Banksy, we know when Ron Greenwood signed Bobby Ferguson and then John Cushley for centre half, we needed two players right at the centre of defence there. Mm. That team should have done so much better with Hurst and Peters and Moore, and then Bonds was there and Brooklyn was there, but we were weak down the middle. But um, God, if we'd have had Banksy, we'd have been fine. But Bywater, you know, of course he won the uh, he won the Youth Cup, didn't he? He was in that Youth yeah. Cup winning team back then, and he's also the he made his debut in that crazy 5-4 Bradford game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem with that, Harry never, I don't think Harry liked him after that. He made a couple of boo-boos in that uh, game. You know, mm. we should have won that like 5-2 or something. But yeah. God, he ever made, got a game after that. He kept sending him out on uh, on loan. To on loan, yeah, yeah. But he's hey, still right. playing. I mean, he's a, he's a real journeyman goalkeeper. He's, yeah. he's at Burton Albion or something now. So, uh, good, you know, good luck to him. And, um, that was that was my big that was my big old and like obviously Tony Carr said Tony Carr never got he said we never did really develop from the youth no. from the academy a good B player did we no I mean you've got yeah I mean you've got the young lad now you've got Trot who's uh, who's just come back from AFC Wimbledon he's he's a good keeper I've seen him play um, Nathan Trot um, yeah. and obviously that that was part of the, the their plan wasn't it you know that we got two we got obviously got Fabianski and they got two experienced sort of keepers sent the two lads on loan to give them a couple of years and then obviously right. it didn't work out Roberto and stuff but you know yeah. it, hindsight's a great thing but it was a good idea but yeah Nathan, Nathan, Nathan Trott's a good old keeper I like him um, so hopefully uh, we'll start getting him him in next season I'd imagine um, right we'll put Stephen Bywater in who's your next player I'm going to let you just just, okay. just, just dictate right. who we talk to next okay player. so at left back yeah okay let's go back to the, the 64 team had those seven players those seven B, B players okay yeah three of them played the following year at Wembley against Munich in the Cup Winners' Cup, 1765. So I figured we honour those three players as real legends and put them in my team. Because, let's face it, how many West, how many players in the world, let alone at West Ham, have been to consecutive Cup Finals and come away with a winner's, with a winner's medal? Mm-hmm. Not many. No. And so left-back is Jack Burkett. Jack Burkett was... Um, 
a uh, he was a youth you know he's an academy guy and he only had a short career at West Ham but during that time he was a real shining star he was he played in both the games he um he played I think he played 55 games in that same that 1964-65 season when we wow. won the cup he played 54 games that year and um, he did score four goals during his career and I saw one of them down at that Southampton match I told you about he scored a long ranger from there and so um, he and he's still alive and um, so he was my uh, he was a fullback he wasn't anything I mean he wasn't one of those guys that stand out you know he was a defender first yep. rather than a, yep. Yep. Than an attack you know like overlapping stuff so he uh, he was supposed to shut down the winger on the other on the opposing team because they always played with wingers in those days you know? sure and so he's number one. He was my left back because, oh, like I said, he was one of the three. Then the okay. next next to him in the back four is um, he was Ken Brown. Yeah. Now, Ken Brown. Well, let me tell you a story, and I'll introduce Ken Brown here because this this is amazing. So I'm over. I you know where I live. I'm down here in uh, Southern California. I'm thirty yeah. minutes away from Anaheim from Disneyland. Um, we have a band over here. Uh, no doubt you've heard of them. Yeah. No doubt. No you've doubt, heard of yeah. No Doubt. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gwen, so yeah, yeah. Gwen yeah. Stefani, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Their second album was called uh, The Beacon Street Collection. They recorded it in the garage of their house that they were living in at the time, which was actually on Beacon Avenue, not Beacon Street, but Beacon Avenue in Anaheim. Yeah. And when my son and his, and his wife, my daughter-in-law, were looking for a house a few years ago, they, they saw one for sale on Beacon Avenue. And my, my, my daughter-in-law is a big No Doubt fan. So they snapped that right up. And they Amazing. lived you know, a few doors down from where that shows up. Anyway, that was where my granddaughter was born. So I'm down there two or three years ago. And her, and her name is Gwen, right? Oh, <laughs> Stefani. So I, I take Gwen down to the, down the end of the road as a park. I take her down there. She's playing on the swing. She's about three years old. Then. And so... I'm hovering around, you know, like you do as a parent when you've got young kids yep. maybe hurting themselves. And there was a little boy there, same age as her, and he and her and his uh, granddad was doing the same thing, hovering around. And when the granddad spoke to the little boy, I could tell he had a London accent. So I thought I'll go over and have a chat. And we did, and we talked, and he was there with his wife, and they were visiting his son and daughter-in-law who live in America. Yeah. And um, they're actually all going to meet there at the park and go off to Disneyland later in the day. So his son comes over a little bit later and I speak to him and I said, you know, how are you doing? And I ask him what football, like I always do, what, what football team you support, chewing that everybody does. He said Spurs. So I said, oh, you know. uh. Uh, I said, but, uh, well, I'm West Ham. And he says, well, you want to talk to my wife. So I thought, all right. And then a little bit later, she comes over. So I, I say to her, I said, so uh, you're... Uh, your husband tells me you're a West Ham fan. She said, "No, I'm not really." So I said, "Oh, I thought you. I could have thought. I could have sworn he said." And he said, "Before I could say anything else, she said, my maiden name is Casatari.'" <laughs> oh, brilliant! And her granddad was Cassat Phil Casatari that you know got yeah. the, at the cafe where the academy started. Oh, wow! What's the chance of meeting a? Oh, I love a stuff Kassatari like that. I love stuff like that. I told her, I said, when you go to West, when you go to Disneyland, you better go on It's a Small World. Yeah, yeah, we just, yeah, We just finally yeah. proved it, didn't we? Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing. But anyway, uh, Ken Brown yeah. was one of those guys. He came into the team in the 50, uh, late 50s, and he used to be one of the, you know, if you have Malcolm Allison and Noel yeah. Cantwell and Malcolm Musgrove and all those guys, John Bond and, and Ken Brown, they all um, became managers later on. They all mm. came up. But that was, that was the foundation of the academy. 
Yeah. Mm. You know, Ken Brown was a stalwart. He played, I got him down here somewhere. He played uh, 400 and bloody 50, 474 games for West Ham. He was the man from the 50s right through to the uh, Cup, you know, the uh, European Cup Winners' Cup final. Mm. And um, of course, his son, Kenny Brown, played for West Ham later on. And I was going to put Kenny, that was, he was going to be my choice for right back, actually. I thought we'll have a father and something going there. Sweet. But then I changed my right back because of what I saw on uh, Rob Banks's um, uh, stuff. Because yeah. I never realised, I saw him play a few times, but he never stood out to me. But Timmy Breaker, what a great fullback he was. He was quick. Yeah, he had a he had a great cross on him, and he, what a shot he had! He scored. Oh, how many goals did he score from outside the box? He did. He did. He was great, I, and I never realised it until I saw Rob's video. So Tim Breaker gets my right back. So I got Jackie Burkett and Kenny Brown in the middle. They're the two of the old guard. Timmy yeah. Breaker right back. Now I had a bit of a quandary on who to put in the other um, back four line, and I, yeah. I narrowed it down to Billy Bonds or Slaven Bilic. Yeah. And I went with Bill, I went with Billy Bonds because I made Slavin Bilic my manager because I got okay. a B team with a B manager too, which is Slav. <laughs> I did meet Slavin Bilic once when I was over at Chadwell Heath. Um, I had a, I, I managed to get in and, and had a chat. Uh, I ended up parking my car next to his, and when we were leaving, he had to I had to sort of get out of his way for him to leave. And uh, I, he was this is back in like the what was it late nineties, and he. I knew he was a great bloke. He was, he was very well spoken. I knew he'd be a great mm. manager. Oh, I thought he'd be a great manager. Shame it didn't work out no. with the Payette team. But yeah. we, we had a team. That was one of the most attractive teams. Yeah. To play football, I mean, and he's doing a Billy job Bonds, at West Brom now. So. I, have Billy Bonds, I have Billy Bonds in there. Yeah. And Bonzo was just, I mean, I know lots of other people have him in their team, but you've got to have Bonzo. And, of course, he played in two FA Cup finals. Got exactly. Two, uh, Got to and um, and he was great and um, I remember him when he signed from Charlton. I was watching. He was right back. He played right back for many years. Yeah. Um, but he played everywhere. You know, in, uh, what half back that you just learn about the half backs, right? I'm learning about him. Yeah, yeah. Well, he played half. He normally, he was a half back, and then, but then he, he often played in the in the back four next to uh, Alvin Martin and some of the uh, some of the other centre-halves uh, we had. So that's my back four. Yeah, right? nice. Burkett, Kenny Brown. Billy Bonds and Timmy, Timmy Breaker. Breaker. Yep, nice. I like in this. Let's let's go into midfield then, Derek. I'll leave you to it. You talk about who you want to, in your, whatever right. you want to talk. Well, about. on the on the left side of midfield, you can't have anyone but my all-time great hero, Trevor Brooking. Yeah. Like I said, I met him a few years back, and he was brilliant. And um, you know, I watched him. I, I I used to go to games when I was. You know, still living there. And my first few years, I didn't have anyone to go with, and only friends. So I used to get into the program and read it. And Trevor was in the youth team then, and but they were going on about him, how he was um, mm. coming through. And and they had a little bio on him, and he was still studying. He stayed in school. You know, a lot of kids signed apprentice forms and they basically left school. But Trevor yeah. stayed at school to do his O levels. And one of them was economic history, which was the same O level I was doing. Oh, wow. So I had an immediate sort of bond with there. And um, so I sort of grew up through West Ham experience with Trevor in and out of the team. And I saw him score his hat-trick against Newcastle. Um, the only time he scored a hat-trick, one of which was with his head. And I'll never forget the, the, the newspaper headlines, as far as I can remember, next, next day were, Brooking lets Hammers fans forget about Hurst. Because Hurst was injured. Yeah. So Trev came in and played. He had the number nine shirt on that day, and he scored a hat-trick. Now, Trevor Brooking, what a great guy. What a great uh, ambassador for uh, 
our club and the all-time, of course, I could have had him as manager too, you know, he's there as a B team. He was, I think he has our best uh, management record, didn't he? Yeah, he's got best win record. He's got I think. highest percentage of wins or something. It's uh, so Trev, but he's, he's great. He's, he's yeah. a credit, a credit to the world, not just to West Ham. Agreed. Agreed. Trevor is in. Who's next? Who's next, and Derek? Okay, the next one, I'll put him on the far right side. Okay. Would be, would be the third of our, um, you know, double back-to-back uh, -back cup winner medals, Ronnie Boyce. Yeah. Who scored that winning goal in the cup final in, uh, in 64. And um, I saw him at that great Yarmouth thing. And I asked him, I said, oh, well, I was at another game that he was big in. You've probably seen this one on, uh, on one of the YouTube, uh, one of Rob's YouTubes. Um, Jimmy Greaves' debut. Mm against Manchester City away, I think it was 1970. You know, we got him in the deal with Mike. Martin Peters went to Tottenham when we got yeah. Greavesy. And Greavesy had this record of always scoring on his debut. England under-21s, Chelsea, full, uh, Spurs, Milan, or wherever it was, he was over there. And sure enough, he scored two goals on his debut for us. And we, we were at Man, Man City on a freezing cold day. And Man City, had a, they had won the championship, I think, the, or the first division, you know, the previous year. There was a good team, Colin Bell, Mike Summerby, and, and the England goalkeeper, Joe Corrigan. And we thrashed them, 5-1. Five, five Greasy got two goals. But the most memorable thing in that game was, it was there was so much mud on the pitch. That it was, the only grass that was growing was kind of on the edge of the penalty areas. Everything else was sloppy mud. So Joe Corrigan, the goalkeeper, for, comes out with the ball and he goes out right to the very far edge in order to be on grass, I guess, so he didn't slip over. And he kicks the ball, drop kicks it into the halfway, into the centre circle. And there's Ronnie Boyce. He comes right down and Ronnie goes bang with his, with his foot, straight back. And Joe's Joe sort of strolling back to the goal. The sort of, and, and next thing, his ball's going. And he can't get to it because it's so muddy there. He goes right in the back. And I asked Ron Boyce when I met him, I said, that, so well, what was the best goal you ever scored? Was it the one in the cup final or the one at Man City there? And uh, I can't remember what he said, actually, because it's very noisy <laughs> in there. So I don't know. But, um, yeah, so Ronnie Boyce was a ticker. Ticker Boyce, they called him. You know, yeah. Though he was a smoker, he had, you know, he ran all over the place for 90 mm. minutes. And, um, so he was a great servant. Well, he's, he's played bloody, I wrote it down here, he wrote, he, he played um, 333 games for West Ham. God. Crazy, isn't it? Now nowadays you, you don't. Nowadays you get if you get fifty games out of a player, you've done well. You're right. You're right. You know? I mean, uh, well, like let's put right next to him. I put. Um, yep. Well, I got I got two other players in the midfield. Now another one. I was going to choose um, Yossi Benayoun and Ayo Berkovic. Okay? Yes. But then I decided after I seen Rob Banks' videos, Ian Bishop's got to be in there somewhere. I never realised how good he was until oh, I saw all those all those him. videos. I saw I like him a lot it. of times. Again, he never st stood out when I watched a game of him, but seeing yeah. the highlights, he was a great player. Yeah. Skillful, tough, goal scorer. He, he arrived in a bit like Martin Peters. He'd arrived late in the box and score goals and stuff. Yeah. So I put him in, I put him as one of those middle spots there. Yeah. Nice. And next to him, I had, so now I'm down to either Yossi or to, uh, to Ivan uh, Berkovic, but I could put in Yossi because he was in the cup fight, you know, he's in the 2006 cup fight. Good team. point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, um, he was a very skillful player and he played for us twice. He went away and came back, didn't he? We had, it, we had him uh, yeah, twice, we had yeah. Him twice. And I always thought he's got a great name, you know, it's like if you're down the pub and you're having a drink and he's at the bar, you know, Yossi, get the yeah. beers in, mate. Yossi, that's, that's, that's a good sort of 
Sounds like an Eastern, Eastern name to me. So uh, yeah, no, he was good, and and he was um ah he was good. And when I interviewed Anton Ferdinand about Yossi, he said what was great about Yossi, which a lot lot of people realised, was he liked to tackle, um, and so apparently he liked to get and and going back and looking at a few. He did put his foot in quite a bit, you know, for a yeah. relatively skinny guy. Um, oh, he was, he was a, yeah, he was totally skinny. Yeah. He was, he put it, but he liked to put it about a bit. So he, he liked a bit of needle. So that was, uh, that's why I, I've got, again, a, 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 similar to your thing about Timmy Breaker, I'm exactly the same, you know, watching these things, the appreciation for right. these players. I actually said it to Tim as well. I was like, you know, I never really thought, I've never really rated you, but you were just a name on the team sheet uh, when I was young. I was young. It was all about Trevor. Oh, you had him on your show. I don't. I don't. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, right. Tim. Tim's on. Tim's yeah. been on. Oh. Tim's been on. Oh, oh, we've oh, got okay. a. Um, we've got a play. There's a place of all the ham. Well, I put on together of all the uh, players and and like Harry and people like you know. So yeah, Timmy's in there. He's a good one. He's a, he's a lovely guy. Oh, lovely guy. But um, yeah, I did say to him, look, I didn't appreciate you when you were playing for West Ham, <laughs> but now now I do. You know, thanks. You know, what, what can you say? You know. <laughs> And Ian Bishop, I, I mean, I saw that one, and he's a great guy too. Oh, I love he's him. He's a funny lad. And oh, he, he's um, brilliant. Such and I a just, nice guy. As I said, I never, I never appreciated him from, because uh, I didn't see him regularly. Like it would be one or two games a year. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I doubt if I saw him play more than half a dozen times. But mm. no, no, he's what, brilliant. No, I like like Bishop. <laughs> Lovely guy. Lovely guy. And obviously, he's he's your your side of the pond as well. So uh, he's, yes, that's uh, right. He's in Florida now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's loving life there. He's so yeah. yeah, sounds good. Okay, we'll put Yoshi in. Uh, so, you know, I, so I used to... That's I used the to, midfield, right? Yeah. I used to work for a Jewish company, so I, I don't say Yoshi. It's Yoshi. Because that's... Because the, the guy I used to work with was called Yoshi. He was next to me. Was so, it? I always like, you know, he was funny, old oh, man. Of course, that's right. He was... Well, was, was Bergovich... He wasn't yeah. Jewish too, was it? Was he too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we had, was, we yeah, had like, yeah. there was, it was, it was three basically in that sort of period. You had, you had Yoshi Benoun, you had Iyad Berkovich, and then you had um, a guy called Yanif Kaitan, um, who played right. like right wing. He wasn't very, he was, he was one of those sort of, you know, six month Harry signing type things, you know, it's like, you know, it was been and gone. But um, yeah, Yoshi and, um, Yoshi and, and, and Berkovich. And if you look at Berkovich now, uh, most players look the same, don't they? From you know, you can still see it apart from Alan Devonshire, who looks completely different from when he was playing, and and, and Berkovich. They look completely different, you know. My, my hair's almost as long as Devo, Devo's hair. I, I, haven't <laughs> had, I haven't had my hair this long since I was about 40 since I came over here because uh, oh, no. the barber in that. Oh, no, so. I'd love to have had that problem, Derek, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then Jackie. Jackie Hughes didn't have a problem, wouldn't she? Didn't have a problem muscling most of your hair, wouldn't she? If you yeah, exactly. Hair. Yeah, she wouldn't I be able to muscle it. I never knew that about Jackie. So uh, oh, it's brilliant, and, and then it's so funny because you sent me the picture afterwards, and uh, and yeah, you saw her just like like on Bobby Moore's hair. Absolutely brilliant. I love that. All right, okay, let's go. Did she get brill cream all over her hair? <laughs> yeah, <then? laughs> yeah, exactly. As well as just slip off in those days. <laughs> right, let's, let's, let's go up front, Derek. Who we got up front? All right, well, talking of Jackie, she chose someone. I thought no one else was going to choose this player, but um, she did. And um, that's uh, Clyde Best. Mm. Now, I saw him come into the team and he was... On his day, really exciting play. I mean, yeah. big, big. The big knock on him was he didn't use his height and his size to 
enough advantage. You know, mm. He was a gentle giant kind of guy. Yeah. But he had great ball skills for a big talk. And he had a heck of a shot on him. And yeah, uh, yeah he was just, I just love Clyde Best. And I, scored, I saw him score, I saw him score a couple of goals. He was one of those, um, he played cricket. You know, yeah. we've had a lot of cricket playing and footballers in the team. I think Jim Standen, who was the goalkeeper back in the, in the cup finals. Yeah. Um, he'd been in the team, except his last name doesn't mean with B. He played, uh, he played professional cricket. I think wow. even Bobby Moore might have done, played for Essex or something. They were all, in those days, you could sort of play in the summertime, they let them play cricket. Mm. I don't think they'd let them do that now. No, no, get no, hurt, no. But, uh, and, uh, but uh, Clyde Best, uh, he, was, um, he was good already Brilliant. in many respects there. Yeah. And I love that Clyde. And then my final, my final player up front, the person that brought me to West Ham in the first place, Johnny Byrne. Johnny Byrne. Yeah, so, so, so I he thought was, he was going to come was, in. Uh, he was a player. Like, you remember, we wore worry, uh, West Ham went down to the second division, didn't they, in the 70s. And we were, wor- we were all worried that uh, Sir Trevor, wouldn't, who was playing for England regularly then, wouldn't get picked, might not get picked for the England team. Because it had yeah. been so long since any player who was in a, anything but the first division, Premier League, where it was, uh, had played for the England team. But of mm. course, the lucky thing was that Ron Greenwood was the manager of England when he first went down. Yeah. So he, he did continue to play. In fact, um, it was 1978 because I went over, my mum passed away that year and I went over for the funeral. Mm. And um, I think it was on a Saturday, uh, I can't remember the day, but there was an evening game at uh, Wembley that night, England versus Hungary. So the funeral's over, we're sitting around the kitchen at my dad's house about six o'clock. There's me, and everyone else has left now. Just me, my dad, my brother, and my auntie Gladys, my mum's older sister. And I sort of brought up the, I said, you know, do you think people would look down on us on a funeral day, whether if we were to go see a football match at, at Wembley then? And my aunt, my auntie said, nah, your mum would have wanted you to. So we all, she didn't go. Yeah. Three of us went down there. We, he lived then in uh, Hillingdon. So there's only like four stops down the tube to uh, Wembley. We didn't have tickets yeah. to go down there. But that, I say that because that's the only time I saw Sir Trev playing for England. Yeah. And we beat Hungary. And we beat, you know, I, I, um, <laughs> I was a football fan. My dad took me to Wembley when I was eight years old, and I saw England play Sweden, and we lost. Sweden, England lost. Sweden were the World Cup champions. There. Yeah. Then I saw, I saw uh, England versus Scotland a couple of years later. We lost that. Then I saw Sutton United, my local team, play in the England in the Amateur Cup final at Wembley, two, you know, in two times in three years. Lost both those games. I had never seen the team I support, and I didn't get ever. I didn't get to see West Ham playing at Wembley, so I didn't have the team I supported. Never won at Wembley until that day, and I saw Sir Trevor and they beat Hungary three 0 So that was the old Wembley. Brilliant. And, um, so um, yeah, I saw Sir Trevor play at least one, just one time for England. That's fantastic. And Johnny Byrne, because I said he was playing for England in that uh, yeah in the old uh, fourth division, but of course wow. he went to West Ham. He was in the original World Cup squad. Where before they cut it down to 22, I think it's 22 yeah. or something. It was like, I think they put, we would have had, I think, four players. Johnny Burn, but, you know, he got cut. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down to three, but um, he, was, uh, he was a little, he was, actually, he was very much like Jimmy Greaves. Was, sure. I think he tended to, tended to uh, favour his left foot, but he was just a fox in the box, you know, as you were saying the, the other day. You, you mentioned Chicharito. Well, I suppose in a way it was about the same thing. I, he scored all of his goals inside the penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ever scored one from outside. I mean, he wasn't renowned for his shooting, but he was quick off the mark. And he could take a player out and he could skip over the mud. And, and yeah, he was, uh, he was a great little player. 
Brilliant. Brilliant. For many years. Budgie, Budgie Burn. Budgie Burn. And, and, that... then, and, and then I'll have Slavin Bilic as my, um, as, my, uh, as my manager. You know, the day I was telling you about um, when I met Slavin at, the, at Chadwell Heath. Yeah. This is a, this is a full story there. Um, back, in, it was back in the 90s, we just had the internet then. We didn't have social media and stuff. No. We, have a big, we had a big internet mailing list. It's still going. That's how I know, you know, Gary Killington. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ian Dale and um, a whole bunch of those guys. Well, in those days, they had what they called the Internet Soccer Team or Football Team League. So fans of West Ham, anything would play. Like, let's say, well, West Ham were playing Arsenal. I had tickets for the game. I was coming over. So the Internet Irons were going to play the Cyber Gunners, which were the Arsenal fans team. It's uh, at Hackney Marshes, eleven o'clock kickoff. Right. Wow. So, because uh, this was all being chatted about on the email list. So I asked innocently enough, um, who do you get for a referee? Because I'm a, I was a referee. I played over here till I was 45 and then I started refereeing. Yeah. By that time I quit playing. Yeah, I you know, broken body parts and bits of four of so I couldn't really play anymore, <laughs> but I could still run. So uh, they said, we never have a referee. We just fight and argue amongst ourselves. So I said, well, I'll come over and I'll referee the game if you want. They said, yeah, come on by. So I refereed a game in the morning I think, I think the Arsenal fans, the Arsenal team won. And then we go to the game, and Arsenal wins that one. Dennis Bergkamp played that game. It was brilliant. So, yeah. again, I saw him lose. On the Monday, I had arranged with, uh, you remember, uh, well, of course you remember, you know, Elwin, Elwin Pocket, the yeah. rev. He was on our list. Well, I had, I'd, I'd emailed Elwin, and I said, can you get me in at Chadwell Heath to see the training on Monday? And he said, sure. He had a word with, I think it was Charlie that was on the gate there. Yeah, so yeah. I go in, and I, I see a park next to, uh, you know, Slava and Billy Go. I didn't know it was his car. And I watched the game. And anyway, after it's over, after training's over, and all the players are back in, I walk over, and Harry's there talking to Frank Lampard. And I walk over, and I introduce myself. And he sees I'm actually wearing a um, Seattle Mariners baseball hat. And Harry recognised that because he was in uh, Seattle uh, for a couple of years playing football on the, and the old NS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was great. I mean, a lot of people knock Harry, but for me, he was just brilliant. He shook my hand. He introduced me to Frank. He put Tony Carr was there. He pulls Tony over there to introduce me to Tony Carr. Frank Lampard Jr. was shooting balls in the net there. And he says, come on in, Derek. We'll get you a cup of tea. And we go into the changing rooms and uh, gets me a cup of tea. And he sits me down at a table in the back there. And um, there's general hubbub going on. And there's a bloke standing behind me. And I sort of look up and I recognize him. It was Rio... Rio Ferdinand, before he'd actually got in the team, he was still a junior then. So I yeah. said, are you, are you Rio? And he said, yes. Yeah. So I had a chat with him, which was great. And then Harry comes out. He said, well, shut up. And I said, we've got a reserve game on Tuesday, the next day, three o'clock at Wimbledon. And he puts the uh, team notice, you know, the team sheet up on the board. And I thought, I'll have some of that, because that day I had arranged to take my dad over to see Crystal Place play Bolton in the evening and meet my brother. My brother was going to come down from Peterborough. I thought, well, it's at Wimbledon, so I can go down to Wimbledon yeah. on the way and then go over to the Palace. And my dad and I have been to the Plough Lane ground for Wimbledon several times, 30, 40 years before that. So it was perfect. So we go down and um, sitting in the stand, there's probably 30, 40 people there. I saw Ian Dowie was playing and he scored a goal, which was very rare because he didn't score a goal for the team for the last like 10, the last year he was, he was there. No. Richard Hall was the captain that day and you've heard of Richard Hall, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fabulous player, but he, he played like six games and he was injured out. He mm. never got to play again. Well, here's what happened. 
15 minutes in, the referee gets injured. He pulls a muscle or something. Now, I've been, I told you, I've been to hundreds of games in the, over the years, and I remember on several occasions that the referee would get hurt, and then they'd have to put the linesman on. And, and it, like a Sutton United place like that, they'd say, if there's any, uh, red, you know, any qualified referees <laughs> in the stage, would jump in, the, in the ground, would they make themselves known to the, you know, to the grandstands and something? And I had my referee gear, remember? I'd just done the, I'd done the internet irons game, and I said, I had my gear in the back of the car. So I'm thinking, this could be great. I get to, I, I would have, I had my ID card with me, my USS soccer re registration thing. Oh, they're going to need a referee. I'm going to go down and, and, and get to run the line. How great would that be? But unfortunately, even for some stinky reserve game like that, they had a fourth referee. <laughs> so instead of asking me, they just gave, they stopped him doing his fourth referee duties and stuck him on the line. So I, I sat close for us to that close. Now that would have, that would have been great. That'd have been awesome. And that night, that night, uh, when I saw, we went over to the palace and met my brother. Well, we get there early and we're going to go down to the sports club and have a drink. And the Bolton bus comes in. And who's the first person off the bus? Sam Allardyce. First time I ever saw Big Sam up front. And he, he was big even then, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, like, I did like Sam, I'll be honest. I was a bit of a Sam fan, to be perfectly frank. Yeah, so I, I like bravado. I think a manager needs to be a, an a sort of protagonist. And, like, I think we play – I think we have – you know, I remember like Pardew had that sort of divisive nature about him where it wouldn't just be about the players on the pitch, but be him versus the manager. And same with Sam. He had that him versus the manager, usually against the fans of the other opposition as well. I remember in Burnley, yeah. when he played Burnley and yeah. he walked back like he was a lot because at Burnley you had to walk from the players had to go from one corner across the pitch to the right. dugout. And everyone had left, everyone had gone through and then about 20 paces back was Sam. Just walking, literally booze around Turf Moor, and that, that's what he did. And I, and I like that in a player and a manager. I like being that protagonist. He's, he, you know, he's a bastard, but he's our bastard. Do you know what I mean? I, I love that in a player. Talk about Alan Pardew. I went to uh, I went to the ground one day to do a to do a tour. I wanted yeah. to do a tour around the ground. Well, apparently it was closed that day. They wouldn't let me do it. But so I kept, you know, whining and throwing the hissy fit. And the security guy finally said, "Okay, come on out." So anyway. As you walked down the corridor, I went out onto the pitch, you know, and into yeah. the changing room. Yeah. So that was, that's all I really wanted to do. But there were, Pardew had just taken over there and he had all these um, signs, all these plaques on the wall. Did you ever see them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. They were so, yeah. supposed to, you know, they were uh, quotations that were supposed to encourage yeah. you to do this, you know. Um, and they didn't like them. Nobody liked them. They all thought, they did not like Alan Pardew, at least not when he started there. Um, but no. he, you know, he did a good job for us. He got us through to the cup he final. Did. And, uh, I mean, the, I always like Big Sam. I mean, you know, yeah. not like Big Sam, but he got us up the first. He got us up to the first event, the very first time of trying, did. didn't he? So, and he I like. I mean, I like Pardew. I think Pardew was a little bit ahead of his time, to be honest. Um, he was very sort of inspirational, motivational. I mean, he was the only manager out of all yeah. the managers I've I've DJed under, so to speak, who yeah. actually like gave a shit about the music. So we would regularly, yeah. me and Jen would regularly go into, have a, not a cup of tea, so I didn't drink tea, but we'd go into the office and he'd say, so what type of music are we going to be playing today? You know, can oh, we really? play this or can we play that? You know, and that's like, it makes... That's great. So what did he choose? What was his favourite? Oh, uh, what he, kind he was, of, a, was he a blues? <laughs> no, he, was a, he, he loved a bit of Sinatra. He... Um, <laughs> He, oh, I should be saving this for my, my book one day. But no, he, um, yeah, he loved uh, Frank Sinatra, 
D. Martin. Right. He once brought in, and there was the his crooners, one game. Like the crooners. Yeah, he loved, loved the crooners. You could see that about Pards. He's a bit of a silver fox, wasn't he? A bit of a crooner. Yeah, um, I can see that. And oh, yeah, uh, he famous, yeah, he, um, he'd brought in <laughs> one day, he'd gone to see the Rat Pack live at the Savoy Theatre. And he went backstage, I think this is the story. And um, he, he basically booked Dean, the Dean Martin impersonator to come and sing at the game. And so, but do like the, the, the Dean Martin version of Bubbles. It was, it's the version that I, I had for my wedding. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. and he didn't remember the words. So he had this guy. And he, he, like, he mumbled the words. I think someone will definitely, who's watching, will definitely remember that. But it's brilliant. No, and yeah. he was, I used to like Pardew. He'd come back, he'd be on holiday in Orlando, came back and he's had this idea for um, for SeaWorld, you know SeaWorld, they they did they used to do this thing where they zoomed in on people, asked them a question, they'd say one, right. two, or three, and then they'd throw them a t-shirt. And he thought we should do that at Upton Park. And I was like, really? Mm. I was like, you can imagine, oh, that, you can yeah. imagine one, the two, old, or three. Old time fans wouldn't go with that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and so it never works out. But I used to love. It. They do that all the time at games over here, don't they? You, yeah. you go to a baseball game and stuff. It's it's, it's you know everything, every day, everyone. Does. Baseball, yeah, basketball, basketball, always throwing shirts and stuff. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You know, it's just all about the entertainment, so. and I think that's 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 what I love about. You never, you know, considering how long you know a baseball game goes on for, and and still in between the innings, there's 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 some and there's some a race of blow up, you know, mascots. Yeah. Love it. If you've got ki- if you've got kids with you, oh yeah, you need that because that's good. Keep, I mean, you know, you might leave it or take it as an adult, but kids love that stuff. So yeah, they do. Them, uh, they'll go. They'll go to see a game to see the halftime show or the Hammerheads or, or uh, what's his uh-huh. name, the guy with the hammer. Um, oh, ha- Hammerheads. Hammerhead bubbles the bear. No, bless him. Derek, man. It's gets pe- bums on seat. Exactly. And it keeps them happy. And, you know, I've, and I've seen firsthand uh, how much they all love all those, those mascots and stuff. And, uh, no, it's good fun. Derek, man, it's been brilliant talking to you. I've loved it. Absolutely loved it chatting yeah, to you. Thank, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, I look forward. And I've got, I, should, I should definitely, what, you had Ian Bishop. I've got to find Ian Bishop then. Uh, yeah, go for show. that playlist. You've got Bishop, you've got Breaker. Yeah, Timmy Breaker's a good one as well. Um, and obviously, thank, you to, everyone, Breaker, yeah, yeah. thank you to everyone for watching as well. Um, you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe. Um, and until the next time, from me and Derek, take care, everyone. Um, stay safe. And we'll see you all again very, very soon. Thank you, everyone. Come see you. Come bye-bye. You Come you wise, okay, indeed, cheers. Derek. Cheers. Bye-bye. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.